welcome to the podcast. This is You Gotta Watch This, and I'm your host, Aaron, and with me is your host, Nick. Hello! Old school. <laughs> Taking it back to episode one. <laughs> Have we been doing that since the beginning, by uh, the way, the intro? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I tried to cool it for a little while just you know, to well, stop yeah. yelling in people's it up. ears. But yeah, you gotta, you I, gotta yell sometimes. I've thought about mixing it up, saying different things, but then I was like, you know, what would the fans think? Oh, they, yeah. They I th- wouldn't know what they were listening to right. if I didn't They'd welcome be like, to what the is podcast. This? I'm going to hit stop and not listen to the rest of any Exactly. Of it. And we don't want that. No. Actually, all that matters is you download it. You don't have to listen to it. So, <laughs> so this is the podcast where the two of us, me and you, Nick, uh-huh. we watch every Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Every one. In order. Yep. That is 23 and counting. Yeah. And then we talk about it uh-huh. in an hour-long podcast format. But that's not it. What? What's it? So what if, I, it? <laughs> if I just left it there... It would be a terrible live omission because there is another crucial piece to this. Tell me more. And it's that I am incredibly familiar with these films. Yeah. Like uh, many people. I've I've seen them a lot. Yeah. And you, not, you, probably would, not as many as I think. Would though. you call yourself? <laughs> yeah. Would you call yourself like a, a super fan? A super Marvel? fan is a is a good is a good word Definitely for it. Definitely a fan. For sure a fan. Yeah. I got that one nailed down. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you are not like me. You are different. No, I am I am different from you. You are different from me. And uh, in that, you've, you're watching these for the first time. Yep. For the most part. Uh-huh. This is actually, you've seen this one before. I have seen this one before. But for the most part, you're unfamiliar. Yeah. The overarching Aggressively narrative, avoided. Aggressively these. avoided. Too cool for school, uh-huh. some Too might cool. say. Yeah. Uh, but we created this podcast... Uh, to to force you to watch them all mm-hmm. and so far it's been a rousing success you love reminding me of that i do i do <laughs> this is one of the great successes of my life what if we get to the end and i'm, I'm, and I'm like you've tricked me i'm not gonna watch the last one <laughs> what if you're like i had my eyes closed the whole time <laughs> i didn't watch any of them uh that doesn't even make sense <laughs> so speaking of which we've just finished the 15th one uh-huh we are really rounding it out here. Yeah, man, we're around. flying. We're we're we're. Uh, I was gonna say deep into phase three. That's not true, but we are well we're into, into it. it. Yeah, like if it's a swimming pool, phase three is a swimming pool. Yeah, it's like calf level. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I might as well just. You're not quite in all the way yet. Right, it's right. still cold. But my feet are very wet. But you're definitely gonna go all the way in. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? At this like, point, you're up to your calves. Yeah. At this There's point, there's no way you're not. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> this fifteenth movie is. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And this is one of the four, the third of four movies that you had actually sought out and viewed on your own. That is correct. Independent of this podcast. Yep. So this isn't quite a hot take. Okay. um, But let's... It's a warm take. It's a warm take. I I think it's it's probably hot with your feverish excitement (laughs) for the Guardians of the Galaxy series. Yeah. So we'll use that to warm up the take. Yeah. It's piping hot now. Let's get it. It's going to burn your mouth. Serve it up. (laughs) So, uh, as you know, um, these were this, the first Guardians of the Galaxy and volume two, I did seek out and watch because I was intrigued by the concept and the characters and the idea and the universe, and uh, just the first one. This one does not disappoint me. Um, I love this movie. Did um, you see it in the theaters? I think I saw it at the Bird, so okay. like sort of second run theater. Sure, sure. Um, sure. And it's funny. We were talking. I f- want to say it was last week. Um, towards the end of the episode, we were kind of you know prepping for this episode, asking what I remembered. And I remember telling you that I enjoyed the first Guardians of the Galaxy much more than Volume Two. Mm-hmm. And having watched this fresh, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would just say that so boldly. Interesting. They're both really, really good movies, and I, man, the ending of this is just killer. Right. I, I, I think this this might pip it, just barely. Yeah. I. Uh... I definitely agree with that. Let me. I'm just checking the user ratings here. So definitely, Guardians of the Galaxy one has a much higher score. Okay. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 91% fresh, 92% audience rating. Uh-huh. Uh, volume two, which we just watched, 84% critic, hmm. uh, 84% fresh, and 87% audience rating. Interesting. So it's and it's definitely that's kind of the vibe. People, I remember people being kind of disappointed with this one compared to the first one and i just 
flat out don't get it. This movie to me is superior to the first in almost there, every there way. There are parts of this movie, and we'll talk about, we'll dissect this a little bit, but there are yeah. parts of this that I don't care for as much. Sure. That I feel like they could have done better or that they just went down a path with the story where they couldn't have done anything different, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe, and, and most of it has to do with the villain. I know you said you really, really liked, yeah. um, what's his face, Kurt Russell yes. as the villain. And I like him too. Um, I don't know that I like a lot of the end fight sequence. Okay. So we'll get to that. We will get to that. But that's your hot take. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So for those people who have never seen this movie and are like, what? What Kurt is Russell, this? Who is that? <laughs> uh, why don't you take... I'll, I'll, I'll read Kurt Russell's IMDb, <laughs> his Wikipedia. Well, actually, instead, let's do this. This is the part of the podcast where we set aside three minutes. Uh, that's a better idea. Just yeah. for Nick. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? See, I've, I've done this before. <laughs> 14 other times. 14 other times. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike you, I guess. I don't know. So we um, we set aside three minutes, and these are just for Nick. Uh-huh. And they're just for me. They're just for Nick. It's a little gift. I, I can I can guarantee. I just have a feeling that I know that you're not gonna say anything during those three minutes. No, these are just certainly for you. not to interrupt me to alert me how much time is left. Or no, I would to never try do and that. Derail me. I would never do that. No, I know. Are, I know you wouldn't. These are set aside just for you to recap the film in as much detail <laughs> as possible. But that's it. It's three minutes, and then we unplug your microphone. So. <laughs> All right, I'm, maybe we won't do that, but um, but yeah. So you've got oh, that was three seconds. That's not enough time. You know what? Let's do three minutes and three seconds. Oh, I like it. So you get an extra three seconds, and then you can go. Uh, it's already started. I see it started. I've okay, started it starts time, in 1980. To be fair, you see, uh, this guy is riding in a. Uh, it turns out to, um, to be Peter Quill's mom, and she says, "I fell in love with a spaceman." And you're like, "Oh no, that must be his dad." Okay, cut back to present tense. <laughs> there's a there's an awesome title sequence where the guardians are protecting these annulax batteries uh the sovereign has hired them uh, they're called th- annulary batteries annulary <laughs> No, they're. Oh, that's 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 the joke. Uh, Just like two minutes and thirty. Oh my god! So um, they do so. The payment um, is Nebula. So they've got Nebula now as prisoner. Um, So Rocket winds up stealing some of the batteries. The Sovereign um, people find out, and the fleet comes after them. They barely escape, and and they crash land on this uh, planet called Bear Heart. Uh, Somebody lands. His name is Ego, and he announces that he is Peter Quill's dad. Uh, so cut back to Yandu. Remember Yandu? He has a run-in with a other Ravager faction, and it turns out that he's sort of the odd man out. He's no longer welcome in the Ravager faction. Thirty-year time is gone. So, oh gosh, the Sovereign Ruler has a proposal for Yandu. We don't know what it is yet. So back to the planet. Ego reveals that he hired Yandu back in the day to collect Quill. Um, they wind up going to Ego's place. So um, he has a um, assistant or uh, a pet. Uh, as they joke later, uh, called Mantis, who is an empath. She can feel feelings, and she helps. <laughs> she can feel you know, other people's, can feel other feelings. people's feelings. <laughs> Let's say that. Other okay. people's feelings. And she helps Ego sleep. Um, all right, so the Ravagers show up on Bearheart. That was the deal that um, the Sovereign Ruler, um, who's the High Priestess, uh, offered Yondu, was go collect the the Guardians, because they want to kill him. Uh, but Nebulon, uh, uh, Nebula. Nebula sort of escapes, and... Uh, winds up um, sort of uh, blowing up everybody's you spot. You use up two of your minutes. Oh, goodness gracious. You only got one left. Okay. <laughs> Make it count. Okay, so back uh, back on Ego's planet, he said he uh, reveals that he's a celestial. It's kind of like a minor god. Uh, he tells the story of meeting Peter's mom. Um, go back to the uh, the Ravagers. It's been a coup. So this idiot called Taserface is in charge. Um, Nebula wants to kill her sister and her father. Uh, back to an ego. They're, they cut a lot between these two. So ego uh, teaches Peter how to channel his inner celestial and do little zappy uh, magic things with his hands. Um, Thirty seconds. Something sort of seems weird there, right? We don't know what it is. So Groot um, tries to help Yondu and uh, Rocket escape, um, and they do so, and they kill like everyone on board. Um, so many people get killed. Yeah. Uh, and then back on Ego's planet. Gamora. Oh lord. Gamora <laughs> and Peter have a moment, uh, and then they have a fight. And so she stomps off and is mad, but then Nebula shows up and tries to kill her. So Gamora uh, and Nebula fight, um, but then Gamora winds up saving Nebula. And they kind of have a moment a little bit. Um, 
I have a whole nother page. All right. <laughs> so okay, we'll back, use our celestial powers to oh, extend th- your time. Thank goodness. <laughs> so Ego, um, ha- he fathers sons with Peter. Um, Mantis warns Drax something what? bad is happening. He fathers sons? Yeah, I'm verbing it. Uh, Yandu and Raccoon uh, bond. They, ha- they have a moment. Um, <laughs> Ego reveals uh, that his purpose is to spread himself across the universe until, quote, everything is me. Uh, so he's not so good a guy after all, it turns out. It's all in so the name. So he needs Peter's celestial power to complete his plan. Um, so he's been having thousands of children uh, across the universe trying to create another celestial that he can use their power to do this plan. Uh, and Peter was the first one whose the celestial genes took. Um, so he reveals that he also put the tumor in Peter's mother's head. And so Peter flips out and starts shooting him. And that's when everything hits the fan, y'all. So... They have a big fight with Ego. Uh, the Sovereign fr- Fleet also shows up because they want to get into the action. Uh, the Guardians wind up blowing all them up. Um, so <laughs> they kill Ego. Uh, they're trying to kill Ego by blowing up his core. Um, Groot goes off to deliver the payload in a very cute manner. They uh, they blow up all the Sovereign ships. Nebula saves Gamora. Uh, Peter out-celestials Ego. Um, Groot sets the charge. They kill Ego. Um, and then the big thing, Yandu sacrifices himself to save Quill to get him off the planet. Man, what a scene. So Quill uh, finally sees Yandu as the father figure that he was to him. Um, it's crazy sad. I wrote that in my notes. It's crazy sad. <laughs> uh, so Gamora and Nebula ha- also have a moment um, before Nebula leaves. The Ravagers show up um, in respect of Yandu and give him the Ravager funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also crazy sad. Very sad. Um, and then Rocket's also going through some stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, And then there's some funny post-credit and mid-credit scenes. Um, probably the only one of note is the High Priestess uh, of Sovereign uh, creates what she calls Adam, and she says it's their future their, their, of their evolution, and it's better, all the better to destroy the Guardians with. Mm. So... Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, I actually forgot how like heavy the end of this is yeah i mean it's really good yeah they, they really tug on the old heartstrings there mm-hmm. i absolutely and i've seen this i think probably twice and i forgot that yandu did that at the end yeah i, I don't know like how i blocked the end which is yeah. like the best part yeah um but man it's it's good i think what's what's amazing about it is i really feel like they earn it. I feel like Yondu yes. is definitely an antagonist in the first film. Uh-huh. But you get a sense he's got a soft spot yeah. for Quill. Yeah. And you know and, and he kind of comes around and is a good guy sort yeah. of by the they, end. They make it explicit. He has like rules, you know, like he can't just be shown to let Poe get one over on him. Mm-hmm. He has it has to be like this show that he also got his way. Yeah. And, you know, he finds out it's the troll doll at the end, but it was yeah. a way for him to save face in front of his crew. Right. And so he's fine with it, yeah. you know, and that gives you this sense of like, okay, he's not that bad of a guy. Uh-huh. He's rough around the edges or whatever. And this movie makes it explicit and kind of explains that and without really letting him off the hook for the mistakes he made. Right. And, and and to his credit, he owns them. He owns yeah. those mistakes he the does. whole way. He does. And, um, but we see a little bit, and there's a, maybe a little bit of of retconning, but the the implication is that he he did try, he did the best he could mm-hmm. to raise Peter, and we get a little like flashes of there's like a, a moment where he, it's like Peter remembering Yondu yeah. teaching him how to shoot. Yeah, and that, yeah, man, that that little there's that yeah, little shot. Yeah, and you get the sense that like you know maybe it was more of a you know just a estranged relationship uh-huh. than Yondu was a terrible person, and it was implied also that he didn't deliver him to ego not because he was useful to yeah. steal stuff but that he sort of knew maybe that that was that maybe he kept delivering these kids to yeah. ego and and you know he sort of suspected something was up and yeah he he has a line in this movie where he's like i you know i i told you that it was for thieven because that was an easier thing to tell you yeah. but uh, it, the, the he said the line is like you know I couldn't do it after I found out what Eco was doing yeah. to those kids, and it's interesting. It's actually foreshadowed at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy when Kraglin and and Yondu are, are flying away, and Kraglin's like, you know, Peter didn't turn out to be all that bad. 
Um, and he says something about how they never delivered him to his father. Mm-hmm. And Yandu says, ah, that guy was a jackass yeah. as they're flying away. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it definitely, I, you know, that could have just been a, a, a throwaway. But it, you, that's the first time we learned that that's why Yandu uh, abducted him. Yeah, in the to, first place. Was yeah. to deliver him and then he just never did. And yep. we did, That's all we knew. And that Yandu didn't think much of him. <laughs> right. So this movie pays all that off and without having to wreck on any of it. Yeah. That all tracks completely. Mm-hmm. So the opening sequence, going all the way back to the beginning, yeah. um, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All the action's happening like in the background yeah, over the title. Yeah. And I love how alien this thing is. I mean, it's got the tentacles and the teeth and everything, but it's also shooting like rainbow plasma. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't actually seem to hurt the guardians yeah but like, maybe it's doing something that we don't know it's like it's like it's like kind of coalescing into like fireballs and there's like one t- shot where we see it like burn up rocket's gun you know uh-huh. but of course the guardians are a little tougher than r- normal yeah mortals yeah but i just i love that just the color of the whole thing yeah and like it just feels like a comic book you know uh-huh. like a weird trippy like 60s like 70s comic the, book there are many moments in this that felt comic booky to me in yeah. a way that some of the other marvel movies have not mm-hmm. um and i mean that in a good way sure um like uh when they they do the 700 jumps uh to yeah. get to ego yeah. and like they, their faces start shifting yes and they it's especially of rocket and they do like the last shot before it cuts to like another scene was like rocket's face stretching out <laughs> and they're like i could just see like a, a comic artist just loving that yeah. panel the another there's like i've noticed a couple of those too and there's in the in the woods when rocket's got all his booby traps and he's pushing the buttons and like the the guys are flying up in the air yeah. and it's this kind of like wide shot of yeah. like the moon and you and it's it's not only okay it's cartoony i don't it just, but it works though yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. something about it uh-huh. it's just hyper real i love it mm-hmm. um and then another scene that really caught me out as comic booky i really noticed it was when gamora's goes off after a fight with quill and she's off being alone on ego's planet mm-hmm. and she's like thinking there's these like extreme close-ups of just her eyes yeah and that reminds me of like i could see that being yeah, like a panel that's a like very very listening. comic book kind yeah. of thing and it works really well yeah i um yeah i i i i really like this movie mm-hmm. it's the, so the plot is actually real tight. There's not a whole lot going on. Like there's not a lot of like subplots or like mm-hmm. mini arcs going on. It's just pretty much the storyline and like the 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 other pieces introduced at the beginning following right behind. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I mean they're pretty much the movies about them escaping the sovereign uh-huh. after botching that job because because of rocket and then it kind of branches off into two paths where we follow rocket and nebula and yondu and Mm -hmm. Groot, and but it it, it comes back together Mm -hmm. which is neat and that's something the first movie did not do the first movie follows the whole team together but it's about them forming as a team right um so i I like that chance to get them to kind of breathe and give rocket some time away from the group because yeah. it's clear he's having some issues with them yeah and i thought you know this was a good second act in terms of like movies uh, is there a three out three has not come out yet but it's it's coming out i guess if there was a three i would know because i probably would have tried to go see it <laughs> yeah um but this feels like you know the second act of a movie you know this is mm. this so it's yeah. the turn where yeah. like the 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 friendship starts to fall apart or yeah. you see the cracks or yeah whatever. absolutely and um by the end it seems like they've they've healed it but i i do think they've they haven't fully healed it like rocket definitely seems to have some unresolved stuff mm-hmm. and at the very end you know he says something like they came back for him you know and he, you think he's talking about yondu and then at the end he says mm-hmm. even after he stole those batteries he didn't need yeah and you can Take it, you can look at it as one day thing as like Rocket keeps trying to pin that on somebody else, yeah, yeah, which is a joke. Yeah. But then also he was talking about himself. Yes, absolutely. You know, and and then uh, he he definitely the, Yondu and him, and it was really smart to pair them up together because yes. Yondu is an older version of of Rocket, right? You know, and he's like you've he's kind of like this is what like see how I'm like all alone and like yeah. my crew hated me and yeah, yeah, yeah. mutiny against me and like my friends don't talk to me anymore. He's like that. I'm you, right? And it's a it's what we do. It's a warning. It's a what, what's yeah. the um, cautionary tale? Yes, cautionary tale. Yeah, he's and and Yandu's very explicit with him. You know, he's yeah. like he's like I know you because I'm you. Yeah, and 
and Rocket really, you know, thought about that, you know. And then I think all the Ravagers showing up at Yondu's funeral kind of made Rocket realize it wasn't too late for Yondu and it's not too late for me. Right. And uh, so I, I think he, he uh, I, I like to think Rocket turned a corner there. He had yeah. some good character growth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, he, and he realized even when he was being a jerk that like his friends still cared about him. Right. And so he realized that he's just not going to be able to push him away and there's nothing to protect himself from right these guys are in it for the long haul yeah uh so it's very nice it's very touching i i think what is interesting too is you know he stopped um gamora from going back out to rescue quill yes. and you hear um drax on the intercom yelling like where's quill where's quill mm-hmm. and you know it's pain he like it's physically painful mm-hmm. for him to leave yeah. Quill, but he knows that he's giving Yondu the chance to atone. Yeah. And it's also, he knows what he's, he knows he's allowing Yondu to make that sacrifice. Yeah. It's a very interesting moment and an interest, like he, he could have done a lot of different things yeah. in that five minutes, Yeah, but he allowed Yondu to sort of make that sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I think of it too as he was and then the the you know the not the the subtext like you're talking about the but the the text of it too is he says I'm pre- he's protecting Gamora he's protecting Drax you know yep. like hey, I'm, we're not go up sending any more people after him Yeah and, yeah it, absolutely yeah. and in that way it's it's an interesting I think part of why clash uh, the clash between Rocket and Star-Lord is they both consider themselves to be like leaders mm-hmm. and uh, of course, yeah. only Star Lord, Star Lord is, but we see but Rocket. You can see that in the. I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. you can see that when they they're they're fighting over who's yes. going to pilot the ship. Exactly, exactly. You know, who's in charge? And we see Rocket's like leadership ability here. When Quill's not there, he's like, "Hey, you know, we're I'm making the command decision to mm-hmm. save everybody else's life, and you know, Peter's going to have to, you know, it's it's up to Yondu now. Yeah, and we're not going to all go and and get killed. So right. it's a and and it's not it wasn't just to save his own life it was a tough decision like yes absolutely yeah i i like that i think that's one lot. of the compelling character pieces of this movie that i think rocket's journey here mm-hmm. yondu's sacrifice and then the the other piece that we haven't talked about uh, there's a lot of growth in this movie but um nebula and yeah, gamora absolutely i it's interesting this movie's definitely about fathers and um the ones you and and and, an extension of the first movie which was and it's so it's generally about family and but also the the fathers and and the because you've got ego and then and then yondu is the the Uh surrogate father who actually did the work and and then you you have you know kind of juxtapose that with thanos Mm -hmm. uh, who's not present in this movie but he's mentioned several times yes as the you know again uh a a terrible father um yeah. but uh nebula and and gamora find each other and you know yeah. realize that that's that's what they have and and so that's the family they choose to mm-hmm. it's, it's I, I really i really liked th- how they presented that um you know like nebula sort of fighting against that mm-hmm. even though that you know she was almost the she i think was the first of the two to really sort of open up in mm-hmm. in, in saying like you know, we were forced to fight and you never let me win. Yeah. And, you know, admitting how much that hurt her. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that Gamora had put together. Yeah. You know, clearly I, something she had sort of blocked. Yeah. And, you know, Gamora, yeah, she she mentions, like, you know, I was a little kid too. I didn't know, you yeah. know. But you get that sense, like, how, like, terrible and lonely that must be. Like, yeah. you've been kidnapped and you're forced to live with this, you know, monster. Uh-huh. And you have somebody who's in it with you. Yeah. And like all they do is kick your ass, yeah. you know. And every time you do that, something terrible happens to you. Like it yeah. just must be like no wonder Nebula's so messed up. You right. know what a terrible life she's lived. Yeah. Well, and I think we talked a little bit about it in the first Guardians episode about the idea of like the Crucible, like forming, yeah. mm-hmm. you know like Thanos was relying on like that shared misery, like to turn them into what he wanted, Yeah, you know, and just even the, though they hated him, mm-hmm. they did serve him for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they hated each other. Yeah. And that like, you know, like kept them from uniting against him. Right. 
and yeah it's very interesting it is interesting and i i absolutely we're not supposed to say interesting oh gosh (laughs) thanks adam (laughs) so it isn't interesting it's very tedious (laughs) i think uh it's it's so funny i never i'm glad you pointed it out because i haven't thought of it um (laughs) but i think nebula in this movie i i really love her arc in it and absolutely because uh, she got she got defeated at the end of Guardians One, and uh-huh. and then she's captured by the Guardians of the Galaxy at the very beginning of this one, and yeah. is a prisoner, and then turns the tables. She does prevent uh, Rocket from being killed, uh-huh. even though it's not clear she did that on purpose or she was just trying to get that money to right. go get enough money to kill Thanos. Right. Um, but I, I like her determination to kill Thanos and then she tells her plan to Gamora and Gamora's like, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that, you know, like you're much better off joining us. Uh-huh. I, I really love that scene between the two of them when she, she they're hugging mm-hmm. and like it's versus just Gamora kind of wrapping her arms around Nebula and Nebula is just standing there. Yeah. And they have the wide shot where you see her like pelvis she, is like a foot, a foot away. away. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I'm not participating. Yeah. And then you see her hands start to come up yeah. and you look at her face and then just, she just is a, in a flash con uh-huh. and you know, she's just not quite there. Right. She, yeah, she'll just enough to admit that like emotionally, like she's connected, but no, you know, no further than that. Yeah. And she's on a mission. She's, right. she's like decided, okay, well I'm not going to kill Gamora, but I'm going to kill somebody. Yep. So it's going to be <laughs> Thanos. Right. How do you think she's going to do against Thanos? Not too good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I don't know really. So I don't know anything about Thanos mm-hmm. other than that, like, he had the power to pretty much create them and they served him. So uh, I guess he could probably whoop their butts. He, the last time we saw him was, I guess, because we've seen glimpses of him. He was, mm-hmm. of course, he was a, not a major character, but he was like a secondary character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. He was like the guy behind the guy. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple scenes. Uh that with Ronan. Um, and then we saw him at the end of age of Ultron where he grabs his gauntlet and says, fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. But so he seems like a, a tough guy. Yeah. But you know, I haven't seen him in action. He was pretty tough too though. So we'll see what happens. Um, so, Oh, and another, there's another new character, a new member of the guardian in this one. So Yondu kind of joins Nebula joins sort of, she's got an offer out anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it, it looks like Mantis is, yeah. is going to be. I, I really like her character. Um, yeah. I mean, hilarious jokes between yeah. her and Drax. Yeah. Um, so just can we pause for a sec and we'll come back to Mantis. I just yeah. want to say like this hilarious. Yeah. Very funny. Um, I, I didn't, I think I said in the first uh, episode for the first guardians that everything Drax says is funny. Yeah. Like that whole, like not quite understanding everyone else Yeah, or like taking things too literally. That is never not funny. Yeah. And, and it still is n- never not yeah. funny. It, it's interesting because you definitely f- see how living it's, it's been a couple of months in. So this movie actually takes place back in 2014. Yeah. Um, it's been a couple of months, but you can see already like how it's rubbed off, like being around these guys. Cause mm-hmm. he's, He's laughing like oh, yeah. constantly yeah. and thinks, he thinks things everything's are funny. funny. But like he th- he still doesn't really understand. Yeah. You know? The things but he it, finds it, funny it, are not the things everyone else finds it, funny. Yeah. But I, I do love I love his line and he's still very literal and uh-huh. like in like I love him talking to Nebula towards the end. He's like, you know, we're family and we won't leave anyone behind. <laughs> except maybe you. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, it's great. And you know, he's telling the truth. Right. You know, like, if it's too hard to save you, we're not going to do that. That's, that's like his, one of his best characteristics is that he just is always brutally honest. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even when it's telling uh, Mantis that she's hideous <laughs> yeah. and uh, he's dry retching, imagining them <laughs> together physically. Yeah. I love, I love how it's such an urgent scene and he spends so much time talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Like not even like listening to what she's trying to, I mean, she clearly is not talking about that. Like, <laughs> like she wakes up, she comes in and wakes him up and she's so frantic. Yeah. Like, that can't possibly be what she wants. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's just as incapable of considering that. I, and I do love at the end after all of that, that he says, you're beautiful. 
on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has to qualify. He can't <laughs> he still can't admit, you know, that she's beautiful because he doesn't find her beautiful. Yeah. I, I like that. I like him when he says he believes in her and she's able to put ego to sleep and yeah. like, I didn't believe she would do <laughs> yeah. it. That's like the one time he's able to lie. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, but she seems pretty powerful as long as she can get a hold of you. Yeah. She can... Now, and, and so she she has a similar thing, and it, I think it's interesting that she and Drax. Uh oh. <laughs> I think it is telling that uh, she and Drax were uh, like sort of found each other amongst the group, like or yeah. drawn to each other to it, because she has the same, not a full like fish out of water because you know she's got. It's a little bit of the fish out of water thing. Like she doesn't know how to really interact with other people, right? Which is it, it, which is ironic, uh, I guess, a little bit because that's like her power is like yeah. empathy, but she mm. doesn't really know how other people work. I I think she. What I like about her character is because of her empathic abilities, she like learns very quickly. Yeah, and and it, when that. we first yeah. see her, she's just like a weird alien like, uh-huh. robot thing that like cannot interact at all. Yeah, and towards the end, she's she's getting it. Yeah, by being with them, I I love the scene where you see Drax kind of sitting there. And he's he's talking about his daughter, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of got this look on his face, like he's you know like kind of glum and like you yeah, know, like it's but this, see, it's this, just a serious kind of yeah th- far away gaze. Yeah, and it's kind of like it's this is like a kind of a distant memory, you know, and he's it's like a hint of sadness, and mm-hmm. she touches him and bursts yeah into tears yeah, and like a the, sobbing the, like the yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite scenes, and I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because I was gonna I was gonna come back around to that yeah. um because it shows so much it shows. A like like her depth of empathy and her yeah. power and her willingness to experience things that aren't joy or happiness, yeah, right? You know, to share another's pain, I mm-hmm. think is is uh, a, a nice quality. Yeah, but it also is gives a little more depth to Drax. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to show that underneath that, fa- that you know, that, that facade, right? Yeah. The stoicism. Um, he, he feels deeply, just as deeply as yes, anybody else. It's very fresh. It's still, yeah. it's still very painful to him. And I, I love that scene. I think that's, Me too. that's be- the wonderful, beautiful writing. Yeah. And, and they lighten the tension uh, in the next moment when she's like, what are you guys talking about? And Mantis says, Oh, he, I'm learning lots of things. Like yeah. I'm a pet and I'm ugly. Yeah. And <laughs> she's so happy. <laughs> She like she does this like kind of like mouth open smile as, after. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> she is absolutely hilarious. She um the way she says things occasionally remind me of Bjork. Yeah, and it makes me laugh just thinking about that. <laughs> or not not really like Bjork, but like uh, I forget who played who did Bjork on SNL. Okay. But that scene where she's like, look at Charles Barkley, a magic book. And I just think of that. That's funny. As, I could see that as, uh, uh, what's her name? So I, um, what's, what's her name? I just Mantis. Yeah. Um, so I do want to say also, I really love the shot where you see all the guardians, mm-hmm. including sort of the new members, including, yeah. Yondu, Mantis, Nebula. Yeah. Uh, when they're fighting, um, when they're fighting Ego down in the core of the planet, yeah. and it's in slow mo. It's, it's like, like circle shot. The circle shot. Yeah, it's and, so and the, cool. The, the, the swelling Guardians yeah. theme, uh-huh. and it's just like, oh, it's just like Avengers. Yeah. You know, it's oh, awesome. that's our team. Yeah. And then Mantis gets whacked by a flying rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Drax is like, Mantis, look out! <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's I, so good. It's great. It's uh, so unexpected. Yeah. I I absolutely love that too. Um speaking of the 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 theme there the the music. I really love the the music cues in this movie. I think even more than Guardians 1. Yeah. I feel like it they stand out to me more. Mm-hmm. And my favorites are of course the Yondu and Rocket escape scene. Yeah. Um where it's come a little bit closer. That mm-hmm. song is so great yeah. for that scene. And that it's so 
it's another one that's very comic booky, very stylized. Uh-huh. You get the sense that maybe it didn't happen exactly like that, but like that's what it feels like when they're walking slowly down this catwalk and the bodies are just falling. Fly- yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so many. Right. And it's like, how is that even possible? Yeah, but it's yeah. just such a cool looking yeah. shot. And they're walking faster than they're falling. I, I think that's a really it. good way of of describing it, that it's stylized. Yeah. It's hyper realistic. Yeah. And I think that really ties into the the colors too for yeah. this. There's just so many colors you don't normally see in space movies. All these yellows and uh-huh. greens yeah. and blues, and it's just awesome. And uh-huh. look at, it's not the normal. It's like this like super like bright neon blue. Mm-hmm. I I love that. And one of James Gunn's missions when he made this movie was he wanted you to be able to watch like see any given scene or shot from this movie and immediately distinguish that's from volume two and not volume one. Oh, interesting and i think he did that i could i mean not only because i'm very familiar with these movies but they definitely have a different um feeling to them yeah when you see these shots so i i i think that was a, a neat goal uh-huh. he, he didn't want to just do a carbon cut and paste yeah yeah um, but so that music cue is awesome. And then I love the chain and it's, it's the song so good. They had to use it twice yeah. in, uh-huh. in there. And I, I love that last one when he, he calls out ego. He's like, you know, you shouldn't kill my mom and squash my Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fight scene I think is, it's tough to do a, a fight scene between two like gods, uh-huh. you know, like what are they going to do to each other? And so in this one, it was very much about like, just rocks smashing into each yeah. other. That's how they how they did it. And I, I will say it's not my favorite part, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really bother me. And that was probably my, one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Um, just visually speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like s- some of the fighting with the, like the, the light tentacles. Mm-hmm starts to it gets really repetitive really sure. quick mm-hmm. uh, like once i've seen them shoot a like a rock light tentacle I, once yeah you know i've seen it but then they do it like 40 times yeah so that that got a little old that whole fight sequence i feel like could have been cut by two or three minutes oh wow and man. i would have been okay like I, I mean like the whole like 20 minutes of that fight scene. you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like, not yeah. like that specific bit but yeah um, and then you're right. Like when it's just mono imano, like ego versus quill, it just didn't didn't do it for me. And maybe I like I thought uh, I thought of something towards the end, especially when ego sort of stops him and it's trying to talk to him right at the very end. He's trying to talk to him like, "Stop! You got to stop this." Mm-hmm. Like he he kind of sees that like maybe he could defeat quill eventually, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be able to do it in 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, and he realized his, he's wasted four minutes trying to beat him. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of get that and I'll give them that, mm-hmm. but I just didn't, he is the planet. He's everything. Why is he using just this little avatar to yeah. fight? Qu- that sort of bugs me. I, I get that. I think what I'm, what I'm thinking about when that fight's happening is that, Quill's trying to he's not really he knows that he can't really stop ego he's just trying to like hold him up for a minute yeah just a bomb yeah and then ego conversely is has tried thousands and thousands of times to get a celestial spawn yeah he finally has he doesn't done want it. to give it up he's not trying to kill quill at right. all he's trying to like get him to just be still yeah. you know and like just stop for a minute uh-huh and maybe he can subdue him. And a couple of times he, he does grab him and like manage, but like he just can't hold it uh-huh. because he's made Quill so angry. Um, so I think it's tough. I do, One of the things I, I do enjoy about that is the idea that he's encasing himself in rock kind of goes back to the idea of him being a floating brain that built a planet around himself. Mm-hmm. That's like his go-to move. Like, yeah. I, I know how to do this. Sure. I'll, I'll build a thing around my light and be useful. I also really like how he becomes more like ashen uh-huh. and like just pale as the fight goes on. Yeah. And I'm 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 thinking that it kind of shows that he's less interested in keeping up appearances for like his humanity, you uh-huh. know. So he's more just like, you know, just trying it it, it highlights his otherness and his yeah, yeah, alien sure. nature. Uh I I do enjoy um how they portrayed 
him he had to have like an avatar obviously for it to work because they weren't going to just be like floating in space talking to a planet right which is how it is in the comics you go the living planet is Uh a character from like the 60s again all the weird stuff's from the 60s (laughs) uh and people were really excited that you know or intrigued by what they would do with that Uh and you get a little taste of it when they're like approaching uh, when Rocket and Yondu are approaching, <laughs> yeah, see you the see the face, face yeah. that, and that's what he looks like in the comics. Yeah. It's, a, it's a face, like that. Um, that plays for me as just primarily comedy. Um, yeah. as, for sure. And uh, uh, but it is interesting. It's it's neat that they did that. Yeah. Uh, another music cue that I really really like is when. Craglin's eating soup on the ship <laughs> yeah. and the sovereign fleet returns and that wham bam uh Shamala, i love that song <laughs> yeah. it's so great it's so it just doesn't it fits and it doesn't fit you uh-huh. know like it's menacing you would expect like this like imperial death march yeah. you know when you have this fleet of ships that's coming to destroy them but it's just this kind of like groovy you know <laughs> right. and it, it kind of fits them because they're just so interesting i mean god interesting they're just so uh different from as a villain you yeah. know they're they're a bunch of like preppy like snobs versus slobs so let's talk like, about the sovereign for yeah, a while. yeah ski lodge yeah like yeah like fratty guys that's, right i love that as and they're they're so that's clearly how they're presenting but then of course they're just all painted gold right and <laughs> yeah. i i love them to think of them as just like just super rich mm-hmm. like nerdy like their whole fleet looks and sounds like an arcade yeah especially in that first sequence Uh where like it's clearly making like arcade sounds right like it's just sounds like a video game (laughs) and when one of the last one dies he's like you suck (laughs) (laughs) yeah i they are um they kind of don't make sense (laughs) as a like race i guess or what i don't don't really know but so i (laughs) We're only seeing the high priestess and I guess her, whatever you'd call that, her um, division, you know, or her, because uh, it seems to be their sort of like a, f- that she's got to control this little fleet or whatever. Yeah. A little click. Right. So, and then at the end, you hear that she's called what, before the high council or the something? The high council, yeah. So, <clears throat> it could be that she's not representative of all of them entirely. Mm-hmm. That that's just her little group is kind of like that, <coughs> but um, there's no telling. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I I really do love going back to the color palette. That just that gold. You don't see that very much. No, yeah. And the the paint job is is really good. You, mm-hmm. you don't get that sense of like, oh, I can see where the the paint is, and I'm wondering if they enhanced it. Yeah, I, was, I would guess that some is CG, some is like in person my favorite just to highlight how ridiculous they are too as a villain because you don't like they're deadly but you don't really take them as seriously (laughs) as you should probably but when they when they're on the the planet with the ravagers the ravagers and she's like got this like carpet being rolled out in front of her and she's making taking these ridiculous little little steps like hiked her like long dress up so she's not stepping on it uh-huh. and she's just like making this little waddle it's so so funny <laughs> and they call attention to it by having the thing get stuck and she yeah. refuses to move uh-huh. until they smooth it out <laughs> yeah i i really love that yeah they're, that's fantastic they're great not not the typical kind of space villain that you would see right well you know they were they're just like the not a red herring villain, but they're like just the villain that keeps getting in the way. Yeah. Like the guardian's like, stop messing with us. <laughs> yeah. Got, we're saving the galaxy against yeah. this evil planet. Very, very secondary. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> something that if, if the guardians weren't dealing with ego, they would have no problem yeah. with these guys. Like, the only reason the sovereign got close Although, is because they're to tangled. be fair. Uh-huh. Um, ego did save them. That's true. Um, so the, I, that's that's an interesting oh no yeah i i stand by it it is interesting um that uh they almost ate it for a minute there that is true i, I did not think about that they so would've, they would have figured something they would have yeah <laughs> but they didn't have to because yeah. he goes there i i do love that shot of ego like just standing on top <laughs> yeah. of his ship and he's got like reins yeah. for some reason yeah <laughs> 
And he's I, like waving with his this, other hand. This movie is so good about images like that that mm-hmm. just don't make sense. But, but you, you accept them. You don't. You don't even question. Yeah. It. You're like, yeah, that's the thing. Yep. And that's what we're looking at. It's just so absurd. And I, I love that. I love bringing the weird back to sci-fi. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to make sense. Like the whole concept of the uh-huh. celestial, I mean, that is straight up magic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I love that. And he's I, like, oh, you're a god? And he's like, well, <laughs> lowercase g. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like backing off of it a little bit, but yeah. also like, yeah, I am a god. Yeah. But yeah. Celestials. Are, uh, and they've, they've, Guardians has referenced Celestials before. That's what, like, nowhere is the head of a Celestial. Uh, so they're not all, like... But didn't they ego. say, like, a Celestial Giant or something? I don't, I don't know if they... They, they might have quanti- qualified it. Or just a giant Celestial. But, uh, I don't know. But... It, they, you get this in Celestial maybe is like a catch-all. Sure, for like, sure, you yeah, know. yeah. Because you also got people like Thor and Odin who refer to as gods, but they're very different. Right. When, you, you get this since they probably couldn't do what Ego was no, doing. No, no, no. They're not quite the same level there. Yeah. So it, I like that sense of tears. Uh-huh. And we're definitely going to talk about that in later But movies. also, like, Ego has been around for millions and millions and millions of That's years. That's true. So, you know. Thor's only 1,500 years old. Right. So it's. And, He's a baby. Right. And I can't remember. Have they come out and said that he is, he and the other Asgardians are immortal or they just have very long lifespans? I guess they just have very long lifespans because I think that's they kind of killed. The, yeah, that's kind of the implication. Yeah. But they also refer to humans as mortals sometimes. Yeah. So maybe they just seem, you know. Yeah. Uh, They're like uh, mayflies yeah. to, to exactly. Asgardians. One of the things we haven't talked about yet is is Baby Groot. Yes, yeah. He, Baby Groot's my fave. I I was watching the the special features and James Gunn mentioned how he wanted to make sure Baby Groot was kind of, uh, like he couldn't just be like sweet and cute all the time. He had to be kind of a jerk and yeah. kind of dumb, uh-huh. so you could like accept him. You wouldn't reject him as like too saccharine. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's very like he has it out for Drax ever since. Well, like he. They they do a callback to the first movie at the end when he's a little twig and he's dancing uh-huh. and whenever Drax looks at him he freezes yeah so Drax is looking at him during the fight and right he, and he, he freezes he yeah. freezes <laughs> and then he gets pissed at Drax when he breaks the stereo yep and, and he's hates, hitting him he hates Drax for the rest of the movie yeah except at the very end at the very end uh, yeah. Uh, Gamora hands him over and he mm. falls asleep on Drax's he, he's shoulder. He's reaching for Drax, yeah. you know. It, and I, so here's another thing: you said this movie's about fathers. Yeah, I feel like that was, you know, he and and you see Drax like respond to that, and he holds him, and he like likes doing it. Like, yeah, a, kind of like reminiscent of like how he felt when yeah. he was a father. Yeah. Um, and that was the emotion he was that uh. That Mantis had clued in on was his his sorrow at you know yeah at looking back at you know his lost fatherhood sure um, I like so that. that's a it's a theme it's a good theme I like that and tying back into Groot as a child uh, in the one of the credit scenes he's yeah. a teenager and <laughs> yeah. him and Peter have a fight and he's like now I know how Yondu felt yeah. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> Yeah, teenage Groot is Fantastic. is also funny, but not as cute as baby Groot, especially with the way he moves. Uh, yeah. the the dancing in the beginning is great, but the thing that really gets me is that when, once he plants the bomb, his run out of that little <laughs> tunnel is just full on little kid like leading with his chest, yeah. just barreling down, like not in control at all. Right. I love that. I just love that little kid run that he did. Uh, and like after he gets stuck in the little miniature Ravager outfit and like port drinks are poured on him and kicked yes. around and he's so sad. Yes. Like that's exactly like a kid that was bullied or got into yeah. a fight at school or something and like trudging home. He's, like, And he's so slow. Yeah. It's <laughs> walking so slowly. Uh, yeah. No, that's that they do that so well. Let's see. I have just a few more things. I, I do like Ego's exposition scene where he's talking about what he did, but there's like these visuals that he's like magicked into the air yeah, yeah. to illustrate his points. Uh-huh. I think that's a very neat way to handle a yep. scene like that. And something about those like little tableaus he creates, like plasticky looking. Yeah. As something I, I really I'm into that. I was like, that's neat looking. I and I think what's what is fascinating about that is 
there's an artificialness to the tableau. Yeah. Like it's very like he's showing like the representation of himself is very washed out. It's white. It doesn't have any character. Yeah. Um, yeah. As is like the representation of Peter's mother. Mm-hmm. And I think you can take from that part of the lie that yeah. he's telling. This Absolutely. Is a, this is, this is manufactured. It's mm-hmm. fake. It's definitely like he's kind of, running them through like the museum of ego it's carefully curated yes absolutely and yeah. like this is this exhibit and this is this exhibit right. he's telling his own version of his own history he, there. at this point he doesn't know peter has a celestial gene he suspects but he doesn't know uh-huh. and so you get the sense this is like the thousandth time he's done yeah. that and uh-huh. you know only about how that person's mother was the one he yeah. was in love with uh-huh. i i really i i really dig that and i think that's a very cool way to handle an exposition scene yeah because we do need more like you can't just have ego be like i'm a planet and a god and you're like wait what yeah <laughs> i need a little more uh-huh. to and i think they give you plenty they yeah. give you plenty to get yeah yeah what's going on uh speaking of ego i feel like the aging the de-aging they did on kurt russell at the beginning of this movie was flawless he's yeah. only in it for a couple of shots yeah but i was really looking after ant-man and looking around michael douglas's mouth and i was like oh i can kind of see the seams mm-hmm. kurt russell i don't i didn't see any seams. yeah he looked great uh, he looks great he looks great looks young <laughs> I, part of that is just being able to look the technology is obviously it's been two years since ant-man by uh-huh. the time this movie came out but also you, you got to pick actors that's why they pick these older actors who were in movies when they were younger because yeah. they have so many they reference shots. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the trick for that whole, you know, uh, deep fake stuff is you got to have lots of references. Uh, one last thing, Craglin at the very end when he's got the arrow and the fin. Yeah. And <laughs> it reminds me of like the first time I was trying to fly a drone. Like, uh-huh. You're like, okay, and you push up on the thing and it gets off the ground. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready to control yeah. this. And you try, you're like, okay, I can make it go up. Now I'm going to try to make it go left. And it instantly like slams yeah. into a wall. Or a person. Right, yeah. Like, Ow! <laughs> Just like poor Drax. <laughs> so is there anything else before we move into your pop quiz? Come on down town to Aaron's pop quiz. We're going to have a question or two and a drink and then a question. There's only one question. <laughs> okay. That I guess that's not how the song goes. That one didn't resolve very well. <laughs> so at the end of this movie, we haven't talked about this yet. We get a little Easter egg about the old crew getting back together, led by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. So this is a reference to the older lineups of Guardians of the Galaxy. I mentioned in the last episode of Guardians of the Galaxy that the this lineup is based on the 2008 comics. Uh-huh. So um, this little scene at the end of Volume 2 is a reference to the older lineups of Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's six characters present. Stakar Ogard, uh, who is Sylvester Stallone. Charlie 27, uh, which is, um, oh, what's his face? Marcellus Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, Martinix Tanaga, who is the crystalline guy. Okay. Uh, Aleta Orgard, uh, who is the one with the long stringy hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krugar, who was the serpent who did uh, Doctor Strange magic, yeah. which was really cool. Uh-huh. And then Mainframe, which was that little like robot head that <laughs> yeah. looked like it was from Fallout. <laughs> so they're all affiliated with Guardians of the Galaxy and older incarnations. Okay. In fact, two of these characters, Charlie 27 and Martin X, are part of the original 1969 lineup. What character in this movie was also a part of that 1969 lineup? Ooh. A, Rocket Raccoon. Okay. B, Gamora, C, Yondu, or D, Ego? Ooh. Okay. Can't be Ego. I'm going to rule that one out because that just doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) So they also, Guardians of the Galaxy also had a dog. (laughs) You can't rule out planets, but okay, you ruled it out. I've ruled it out. I'm going to rule out Gamora at this point just because I don't see that storyline making sense. I could see Rocket and I could see Yondu, but I don't know if they were all Ravagers in the original. I'm going to go with Yondu and say that the original, they came out of, uh, they were a group of Ravagers. So yeah, it's it's Yondu. That's yeah! right. Um, they weren't quite- What do I win? Nothing. You win uh, a no prize. Yeah. So Yondu 
and there was another guy, Vance Astro, I think, who hasn't been in these films yet. And it was so it was four people. They come together to save the universe from this alien race called the Badoon. <laughs> and of course, the original Guardians of the Galaxy came out in 1969. It took place in the year 3000, the distant future. Uh, yeah. And uh, Guardians, it was a weird comic book. Uh, Yondu, his pronounced Finn with the really like the mohawk looking uh-huh. thing that's a callback to what he looked like in the comics in 1969 oh, okay. and he didn't have a magic arrow he had a bow and arrow oh interesting okay yeah so um that's that lineup the 1969 lineup most of those other characters are from like the 70s versions but one of the things I, I knew you hadn't picked up on because you hadn't seen Doctor Strange at the first time you watched this movie mm-hmm. and I remember being so like oh wow the alien is using magic I, yeah. I like it just I love that tying everything together uh-huh. Um, I was thinking about that actually while we were watching it, and when Quill, um, when Peter starts to finally use his um, celestial powers, uh-huh. and he sort of like pulls some light out between his hands, and I was like, how related is that to the magic that yeah. they use? Like, are they tapping into the same energy sources? Are they tapping into the same parts of the mind? Like, yeah. What's the difference between a god and somebody who can use magic? Yeah. I'm. I don't know. I I love how Marvel just is totally uninterested in like like drawing, drawing lines. Those, those lines. Yeah, yeah. they're like oh, well. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think I think Guardians is important in Marvel because it shows the possibility of so many other things that it's like don't stress the three things that we've shown you in all the other Marvel movies. Yeah, that's just technology and magic. Here's all this other crazy stuff <laughs> in the universe. Yeah, that kind of fits into both categories or neither. Yeah, and I I do love that. So continuing on into Aaron's trivia corner, mm-hmm. we're going deeper and deeper in Aaron's Aaron's. <laughs> Wait, what's my name? Uh, it's Aaron. <laughs> Going deeper and deeper. Okay. That's, that's a disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, the scene with the with the sovereign at the end, and she mentions Adam. Do you know what that's a reference to? No, I have no idea. So a lot of people speculated that that's a reference to Adam Warlock. You might have heard me mention that name before he is an adversary of thanos in the comics and a major part of the infinity gauntlet storyline okay book in the 90s that infinity war is loosely based on Uh he's a major part of that so people were like "Ooh, is adam warlock coming like "Ooh, i don't know adam warlock in the comics was created on earth but by scientists for a purpose and he kind of rebelled against them and he is closely associated with the soul stone one of the okay it's called in the comic books, especially in the early 90s, they were called gems instead of stones, mm-hmm. but it's the same idea. Yeah, yeah. So he was really associated with the soul gem, and he founded the Infinity Watch, which was to, uh, it was six members, and each member was entrusted to protect uh, one of the Infinity Gems so that they could never be assembled again uh-huh. to be used in the gauntlet. Would they have like regular meetings where they would bring them all <laughs> into the same room? I think they kind of. Like they hid them or there was some kind of protection that like they weren't supposed to use. Them. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that would defeat the purpose. Uh, so Taserface is, is from the comics as well. <laughs> really? He uh, is from a cybernetic race of aliens from the future uh, called the Stark. And okay. so Tony Stark had like a cache of armaments that somehow got blasted into space, landed on this planet, and a whole civilization formed around it. Wow. And so he's like the descendants of that. This is back when the Guardians of the Galaxy were, took place in the year 3000. Yeah, sure. They've since moved it all, so it's all happening now uh-huh. through comic book logic. Uh-huh. But um, There was actually a theory <clears throat> that kind of circulated recently in the last couple of months on the internet that Taserface was the same character from Thor 2 where uh, when Curse and all those other like kind of raiders were in the uh, dungeons at Asgard, yeah. uh, Curse, uh, when he's trying to get out, he grabs one and like slams his face up against the cell. Oh. And people were like, oh, is that Taserface? That's Taserface. And somebody like somehow got James Gunn's attention. Uh, James Gunn is the director. Yes. Yeah. Got his attention on Twitter. And he's like, oh, that's such a neat idea. No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so that was debunked kind of recently. So anyway, that's the trivia corner. Cool. Um, I've learned a lot. 
I, I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, what about fitting into the larger narrative? We, we've already talked about uh, Krugar is the name of that serpent guy who's a wizard. Okay. Not a lot. I mean, we do see Earth a couple times. Uh-huh. We see that Dairy Queen go from the 80s version of a Dairy yeah. Queen to a modern Dairy Queen. <laughs> and then get destroyed. And get immediately destroyed. Um, Thank goodness there was no one in there. Yeah. Hey-o! Yeah, it was a Dairy Queen and not, you know, Taco Bell or something. <laughs> uh, seeing that old 80s Dairy Queen, though, did make me nostalgic because I remember going yeah. to Dairy Queens when they used to look like getting, that. Getting a blizzard. Getting a blizzard or a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, any uh, I mean, they, we do see Xandar, but that's more of a reference to the first Guardians film yeah. than fitting into the larger narrative. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not necessarily tying in too much, other than I I know that Infinity Stones exist in their universe. Yeah. Well, speaking of Infinity Stones, do you think we saw any new ones? No new ones. No new ones. So just the the five we know about. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned at the beginning of this that. You at first you thought Guardians One was the clear mm-hmm. victor of the two, but now you're not so sure. Yeah. Now that we've talked about it for an hour, what do you think? I don't know. I love. I really love this movie. Um, we didn't. We didn't even really get a chance to talk about it. And I don't want to start an hour in, but I, I, at times I feel like the plot is too A to B to C to D. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't go enough places for me okay like it it it's just very it's too like self it's very linear yeah yes. tight yeah and i think that i think that's the feeling and it's hard for me to articulate this very well but i think that's what is sort of bothering me about mm. it that it just feels like not enough happen plot wise sure it, a, a ton happens don't yeah. get me wrong but like i just feel like it was a straight line um and i think that's the the little lingering doubt in my mind that 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 keeps me from definitively saying that this one's better. Mm-hmm. I would say that I like them both equally. For me, I think they're both great. I love the first one, but I think this one's better. I I I find it to be more emotional. Mm-hmm. I think it's funnier. I like that the team's already formed. Yeah, and so we get to kind of play with that. Uh-huh. I do I do enjoy Ego as a villain. I, I like the really big demonstrative, you know, like those villains that are just almost like over the top, chewing up the sea. I, I, I dig that more than I think the more like subtle, like Ronan, you know, sure. Yeah, he, I mean, he's not really subtle cause he also chooses scenery, but he's, he's not as big as with his performance, uh-huh. you know, I don't know. So that's mine. Uh, let's talk about next week's film. Yeah. Uh, what you, what is it? Uh, uh, I was literally about to say, what is it? <laughs> yeah, you don't know. No. Uh, it is the first in a long time of movies that actually was not produced by Disney. This is a Sony picture. Uh, this is this is a Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. So, but we're going to see Tom Holland in Spider-Man and we'll be back in the present after a quick jaunt to 2014. We'll be back in 2017. Okay. Uh, what do you know about this Spider-Man movie? Not a thing, man. Do you think we'll see the Avengers in it? Probably not. I'm going to say probably not because they didn't seem too interested in like having like a little Spider-Boy pal around <laughs> with them. So maybe we'll you know see them on the... like. Yeah, maybe he'll give him a call or something. <laughs> do you think do you think this is going to be like post Civil War or do you think this might go back and be like a prequel for Spider-Man? Oh, I don't know. I hadn't considered that. <laughs> um so they haven't really done that yet, I guess. Yeah, gauntly, yeah, like explicitly gone back. Yeah. to before another movie. I mean, this one kind of did it, but it also doesn't matter that it did it because as far as these characters know, none of the other movies even happened anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um I'm interested. I, I, I'll say it's, and I feel bad for saying this because I know you really like Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man is one of my least favorite. Uh-huh. Um, because to me, he epitomizes what made me not interested in superhero movies. Uh-huh. The You know, initially, Sp- Spider-Man, Batman, Superman were like the three. I was like, I, I don't care about this. Like, <laughs> those, like this, that's boring. This is stupid. And so, like, he represents that to me. Interesting. And so there's a lot 
there's a this is probably the first one that I'm gonna go into not really wanting to watch this. That's and and I know that I'm gonna enjoy it. It's <laughs> the thing that is already bothering well, me. So I I empathize with you. I understand that feeling because the way you feel about all three of those, I I felt that way just about Superman. Okay. And I've seen more as I learn more about Superman and and for the most part, especially like his stuff from like the 30s and 40s, it is kind of boring. But uh, to me, but. I do love the different things they've done with Superman over the years. Uh And I'll find little pieces where I'm like, well, that's really interesting. Like when they have a series that focuses on Superman as an alien Uh and it's like, well, we're going to talk about how the fact that he's not from earth and he's not a human and he doesn't understand humans. It's like, well, that's pretty cool. I like that. There's a series called red sun, uh, S O N where he, instead of landing in America, he lands in Soviet Russia. Okay. And that's really cool. I love stuff like that. Uh, so I've I've learned to appreciate Superman. He's still not my favorite mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Uh, so you can learn to appreciate Spider Man, <laughs> who is uh, the greatest comic book character. And of I'm all sure. Time. I'm, like I, okay, it's, it's a little strong. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's just a fact. <laughs> I'm sure I'm gonna really enjoy it. I his, I loved all his scenes in the the uh, Captain Civil America. War. Yeah, yeah, Civil War. Yeah. So we're gonna get a whole movie of that, uh, and Tom Holland, and maybe the Avengers. <laughs> We'll have to see, I guess. We'll have to see. You got to watch this to find out, Nick. Uh, (laughs) No, it's not. You can't do it like that. So, Nick, you got to watch this. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to us on email at yougottowatchthispodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also reach us at Facebook or Instagram at yougottowatchthispodcast or on Twitter at gotta underscore watch. Thanks.